0: of looking at joy is finding where do we get that joy in the spirit so i gave you guys the definition a couple of weeks ago it says joy it's an inward peace and sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstances so remember joy is different than happiness right happiness is something we get from a pizza right we're happy in a moment but true joy is something that comes not from ourselves and the circumstance around us but from god that gives it to us deep inside of us so we talked about joy and suffering a couple of weeks ago. We're going to talk, we talked about joy and serving last week with Chaplain Pogue. This week we're going to talk about joy and believing. And the next week, Chaplain Harris is going to talk about joy and giving. All right, So we're going to look forward to that message coming up in a couple of, in next week. Uh, today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And I love how this, this starts here. It says... Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't, don't have joy. Just rejoice. Continue to have joy. All right? so, so he's starting this off. Rejoice. He's going to get into a little bit deeper stuff here. But he's always wanting us to remember to rejoice, not in ourselves. Remember, Paul's writing this from prison. He's, he's not rejoicing in your circumstance. Don't rejoice in where you're at. But rejoice in the Lord because that's where the joy comes from. So starting in chapter three, verse one, it says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me, and it's a protection for you. Watch out for dogs, watch out for those for evil workers, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcisions, the one who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I once had confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ, More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God is based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or have already fully matured, but I make every effort to take hold of it because because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize... Promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus, therefore all who are mature should think about this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They are focused on heavenly, earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition to the likeness of his glorious body, to the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this this beautiful day you gave us today, Father, a day that we can come and gather and worship in this building, Father. Father, we thank you that, that currently we're not going through the struggles that Paul was going through as he wrote this about rejoicing with you, Father. But I pray that you will help us to rejoice in you in the in the good circumstances we have today, Father. Father, I pray that you will turn our hearts to you in everything that you do. Father, break us where we fail you and show us how to change to be more like you. Father, work deep in our hearts, Father, to make us better followers of you you. We love you every day. Amen. So I love how, how Paul kind of gets going with this. So he, After he says rejoice, he says, watch out. Watch out for the evil people around you. Watch out for the people who are doing the wrong things. Right? It's a warning to what was going on. And so it's kind of a weird thing. Right? Watch out for those evil dogs, the mutilators of flesh. The, and he says, we are the circumcision. So Weird words, what he's really saying is, watch out for those people who are living by a law that's not necessarily what God is calling them to do. Right? I grew up in a church where it was what I would call a legalistic church, where you were a good person if you followed all the rules of the church. Right? We'd go in on Sunday morning for Sunday school, and they'd give us a little box marks to check off. Did you read your Bible this week? Check. Did you give offering? Check. Did you talk to somebody about Jesus? Check. Right? Those were legalistic things. Did you do the right things? Did you say the right things? Can you live this outward life that fits the boxes that are set before us? None of which really had the idea of did you live a life according to what God is calling you to do this week? Right? Right? Anybody can open the Bible and read a passage, but not hear from God. Right, we can all check a box to read a book. Right, we can check a box to read any book. If it doesn't have meaning, what's the point? Right, if God's not speaking through it, then why read it? Right, we can read a, a fiction novel and check a box. When we spend time with God, it's about letting Him speak into our lives. So it's more than a checkbox, it's more than a law, it's more than a rule, right? And so what we have is these, these men back then, they were looking at who the best person was and they were looking at all the qualifications they had as Jews to be good men. And Paul said, if you want the qualifications, I am more highly qualified than everybody in the room, right? He had every checkbox that you could hit. He's a Hebrew, he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, Right. He persecuted the people because he was so good. But that was before he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And when he met Christ on the road to Damascus, he realized something. All that stuff, all those checkboxes he had done, he said he considered them filth, rubbish, trash. They were worthless to him. He didn't care that he was the best of the best. He didn't care that when he walked into the room, he had authority because of who he was by his name. He said, that's rubbish. I don't have that authority. Jesus is who I want to follow. Jesus is the one with the authority. And so, they were boasting of what they could do, rather than let Jesus be in control of everything. So, as I thought about this, it's something I struggle with personally. Is I like to control what's going on. Anybody else like that? All right. Far too often, and my, and my loving wife has to stop me and give me that lovingly, not actually slap upside of the head, but the metaphorical slap upside of head. And say, what are you doing? So over time, time and time again, as, I'm looking, as I was looking for a job, I worked really hard to try to find a job. I sent resumes. I looked at websites. I spent hours upon hours upon hours thinking and dwelling on it and sending things out, looking for things. And nothing was coming up. I was searching in vain. Multiple times, weeks, months, it took all my focus. Just searching in vain. And my wife would be like, hey, why don't you just stop and pray and ask God to take care of it for you. So I would stop. I would stop sending stuff. I would stop looking and just start praying. And lo and behold, when I quit searching in vain, God revealed what he was wanting me to do. And always in the most random ways, right? So one time I, would, I finally quit searching and I'm looking and I'm, I went for a walk with the kids to the park. And while I was walking back home, a friend came up and said, hey, We're looking to hire somebody. Do you need a job? That afternoon I had a job. Great job. Lasted me four years. Made it through seminary with it. A few years later, looking for a job. Wasting my time in vain. And I get a call from a school that's looking for a teacher that I didn't even send a resume to. They'd gotten it from another school. But I would stop and let God do His thing. And He put me in the perfect spot without me working hard in vain. And so... We do that all the time, whether it be with jobs, finances, struggles, with health issues. We spend so much time focused on the, what can I do? How can I fix it? How can I change it? that we forget to stop and say, God, you're in control. I can't do this. I can't hire myself. Right? I can't fix my health problems. Only you can do this stuff for me. So what Paul's saying is, 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 don't boast in your flesh. Don't try to work it yourself. God can do it. Right? As we're struggling through things, that doesn't mean we quit doing everything and just sit there like a jellyfish on the, on the beach, right? We're still doing our part and we're still going through life and we're still doing what we're called to do. But we're not worrying about all the extra stuff because we know God's got it in his hand. He's going to take care of us on all those little things. So the question we have to ask ourselves each day is, where are you putting your confidence? Is it, I can do this, I can get it done, I'm going to take care of it. I don't need help. Or you stopping and say, God, I can't do anything. I have no power. I'm weak. You're strong. Take care of it for me. All right, we all, I think especially military people, we all want to be the strong one, take care of it. The hoo-ah, let's go, let's take care of it, right? Let's go out we'll just take care of this. We'll fix the problem right here, right now, it's over. And especially dads, you guys, they're here, Father's Day, right? We all want to be the one to fix the problem. It's, we think we can, and the reality of this is without Christ, we have no help to fix the problem. So we go a little bit farther in um, as he talks about getting rid of it um, and it's all rubbish and all that stuff. All right. Where do we get the joy? How do we get that joy back when we're struggling? Right. First of all, you have to know Christ is your personal Savior. All right. Some of you guys may be walking through life. you have an idea of what the Bible says, You've been in church. You may have even said a prayer, but you've never turned your life over to Christ, right? The term "Christian" is kind of a overused term sometimes today, right? It's used in everything. It sounds good in a lot of ways, but it's kind of a label that some people just put on themselves, and they may have never been to church. They may have never read God's Word. But they throw that on there because, hey, if I'm a Christian business, people want to come to me, right? Because it's a Christian business. So the challenge that I've up in the last few years is, how do I be a follower of Christ as opposed to just a Christian? How do I follow what God's wanting me to do? Because that's where the true joy comes is we're following Christ as he's leading us to where he wants us to be as we've truly given everything over to him. See, so when, I, when, I when I put my hope in, in my abilities or even the abilities of others, I'm missing the fact that God can do a great work in my life. So again, when I put my hope in myself or in others around me, I lose that God's going to do a great work. But We can miss that fact because we want to do it ourselves. There's so many times when I thought I was doing something really good and then it didn't work out because God had something bigger and better planned. Right? It wasn't where I wanted to be, but God had a plan to where he needed me to be. Anybody else ever been there? All right? We think we're going to the right path. We're pushing, it. we're pushing hard. We're getting what we want done. And it's all in vain because it all ends up failing because that's not what God's plan was. We're miserable in that moment, in that place. Because God's going to take our joy away from us when we're going away from him. Well, I always knew when it was time to change a job when my joy was leaving me. Right? And I would start looking for a job and it wouldn't help me until I stopped and prayed. But when God's joy said this is time to go and I fought it, the job became miserable. I didn't want to be there. It was a struggle going to work. But then when he pulled me somewhere else, he said, This is where I want you. There was joy again. So the, the goal that we have is to know Christ, right? To know Christ. Not to know who Christ is, not to know what he did, right? I know who Joe Biden is. I know what he is. I know he's the president. But I don't know President Joe Biden. Right? There's a difference in knowing about knowing who they are and knowing somebody. Right? So our goal is to know Christ. Not just about him, but to know him personally. Have conversations and speaking with him. So, we need to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Right? We so, not just to know of him, we want to have fellowship with him and his sufferings. Right? That's not a that good word. We talked about that two weeks ago. We don't want to suffer, do we? Does anybody want to suffer? Anybody? No? Nobody wants to suffer? Where do we learn the most about ourselves? When things are going bad right when things when we're suffering a little bit we kind of learn a little bit about who we are and where we turn our lives to what god can do through our suffering because i I don't know about you guys but when things are going really well i start getting a little big-headed and i'm thinking everything's going good because everything i'm doing right i'm I'm doing all good i'm taking care of it i'm i'm doing all the right things everything's going well I and mean, then God likes to pop that bubble and says, you're not doing anything well. You're only doing what you're doing because I'm doing it. And so, suffering sometimes leads us closer to God and allows us to focus on Him. And so, what are some things that you are proud of in your life that Paul would consider rubbish? What are some qualifications you have there rubbish that are meaningless They have no eternal glory so as we think about those things in our lives what are we holding on to that isn't really worthwhile right everybody that moves when you move out of a house and all the a lot of us have done that you guys are just coming into the military you're going to get used to that but when you move, you start looking through your stuff, you start boxing stuff up, and you're like, do I need this? It's been in the bottom of my closet for three years, I haven't touched it. I can get rid of that, that's rubbish. Right. Stacks of paper that we hold on to, they're rubbish, we can get rid of them. And so, like when we move, God does that for our lives. He picks stuff up and says, do you need that? That's rubbish, get rid of it. Do something different. Let's clean this closet out. Let's clean your life out. Let's go through your heart and change what you are because you're holding on to a lot of things that are meaningless in the eternal glory of what we have. And So then we look at reaching for a new goal, right? Our old earthly goal is to hold on to all that stuff, to do it ourselves. What's our new goal? Paul says he's going to... He he doesn't... And I have to say I fit into this category. Like Paul, I'm not fully mature, even close to it, in a godly standard. Now Paul, Paul the, a great man, wrote half the New Testament, says, I am not fully mature yet in where God wants him to be at. It's a constant change. It's a constant going through things. He was still holding on to things. But he wants to make an effort. Why? Not for his own glory, but because of Jesus. So he wants to make an effort to be better and be more like Jesus because that's what God's calling him to do. And so how does he do that? He forgets the past and pushes towards the future. All right. We've made mistakes. Anybody here not make a mistake? No Okay. okay. All right. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things in the past that we regret. And I think we can all be truthful in that. But do we hold back onto those past mistakes and let them hold us down forever? And that's what Paul's saying. He said, I've made the mistakes in the past, but I need to push on towards the future. So there's a process in kind of helping that, right? So first, we have to confess those bad choices to God. Right? We made mistakes. We go back and we say, God, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I failed you. Again, can you forgive me for this and let me turn away from it and change my life back to you? And so he's faithful and just to to, uh, forgive us of that sin, that that bad choice we made as we turn our lives back to him. So it's a consistent, constant going back as as God shows us that rubbish in our life, confess it, get rid of it then move on, confess, get rid of, move on, and keep drawing closer to God. And the last thing I want to point out here is that the very, as he's talking about, um, as we're maturing, he's going to change how we think about issues, but then he also wants us to imitate men like Paul, who are like Christ. So the last challenge is, is as you're walking through life and you're finding joy, find other believers who are followers of Christ and imitate them. Imitate their walk, right? In the military, we we look at leaders above us and we imitate what they're doing so we can be better in our jobs and our goals. But it should be that way in our Christian walk, too. We find other men and women that that are Christ-like and that are following that we join in and follow, also. Right, as they follow Christ, we look at are they matching up to God's word? How can I be more? I have questions? Talk to them. It's called discipleship, right? Disciple is just a disciple is a follower of a teacher. So find people in your life that can teach you how to walk a life that follows Christ, and that will help you find that joy that God has for you. So, I want you to give up trying to do it yourself. And that's my challenge for this week. Give up trying to do everything for yourself and let God work in it. Don't worry about the struggles. I know one of the ladies, she's worried about the future, right? God's got it in your hands, right? You said that. Pray about it. He'll work that out perfect in the way that he wants it done. But we all have that process that we have to work through. So as, you, as we close today, I want you guys to think about you get to choose where to find your joy. Do you find your joy from the creator of the world or do you look for it in yourself and what makes you feel good or happy? You get to choose that. You get to choose where you're seeking it at. But after we close, I, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stand in the back. Um, if you'd like to talk more about what it beca- means to be a follower of Jesus, I would love to have a conversation with you. Chaplain Harris would love to have a conversation with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus as opposed to just somebody who goes to church or just somebody who attends studies. What does it mean to be a follower as opposed to just somebody who knows of? Okay. Let us close in prayer.